I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another Saturday where none of us seem to know what is going on. The, uh, the, the craziness of the RNC seems like a hundred years ago already. Um, it seems like six months ago we were talking about Kimberly Guilfoyle um, pre-taping a morning slot that ended up being put in later in the day. Giving this I, I, totally wrong energy for the room that she was in and then delivering this kind of spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, um, sort of like bullhorn. More like, you know, you know, those air horns that when a boat's trying to get a bridge to open, mm-hmm. it was like that in a wig screaming <laughs> at people. The best is yet to come. Okay, not only is that absurd on the level of inappropriate for anything short of a giant live audience. Thanks for that. Thank you. <laughs> um, it, it sounded like that. Yes, with an O's on your phone. That. I appreciate it that you have that on, on all the time. Uh, Yeah. So that was basically it. That was in case you missed the speech. That was the sound. Um, But to have a a, a, an address like that at a live event, like a huge packed house, that that's not that weird. And in many ways, even in the case where some people are performing or saying a speech like that live without the 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 crowd there, there is. Um, if in the audio, even it's off putting, like, I mean, we need only think of the Dean scream that, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, that, um, when, when Howard Dean, you know, did his, you know, we're going to do that. And then we're going to, and then he was going to make kind of a, uh, head him up, write him out, write him in, write him raw hide kind of moment that he like, yeah, like I'll just be charming. And it fell so flat because there was no audience noise and it just sound, you know, isolated as it were. It seemed out of place and it literally became a a meme before memes in many ways. It was indicative of the embarrassing uh, politician out of touch, you know, the ultimate gaffe. That's right. Yeah. And when it clearly wasn't in in the context. No, like in hindsight, it was just like he's excited. Give the guy break. Yeah, right. And and compared to, of course, now, um, you know, we're 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 living in the world of uh, a tan suit was the worst thing the last president um, did by comparison. Um, But what about the uh, what about the terrorist fist jab? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. The terrorist fist bump. When they, yeah. when they bump fists, because that's what thugs and terrorists do. And it yeah. transmuted over time to be, I mean, it was just a whisper black moment, you know, just. Oh, you think? Black. Yeah. yeah, that is the whole. Um, but but they but it wasn't enough, um, unfortunately for them in a lot of ways. And it proved, I think, with two elections of Obama that the that America wasn't racist enough for them. It was sexist enough to get rid of Hillary Clinton, but it wasn't quite racist enough, you know, to for that to take wow. hold as as like black people bumping fists, becoming a normalized thing. 
culturally wasn't weird at all. So they had to go full. It's a thing terrorists do. As if you ever saw video of Osama bin Laden walking into a room going, what's Oi. up? Yeah, like, yeah, right. Just tapping fists with people. It, it, like the absurdity of it. And again, it goes to the tan suit was the worst, you know, crime committed by the, by Obama during his time in office. And he also um, brought Starbucks somewhere that was very inappropriate. Do you remember that? Sure, sure. Um, now, now, I would argue that in President Trump attempting <laughs> humanity this week, going to a pizza place, which was, I, I think, allegedly already supportive of him. So they did one of those, like, I'm going to go to a place and have a slice moment. But not to be, uh, I, I mean, honestly, he's a guy who eats um, regular thin crust pizza with a fork. Let's just be abundantly clear. Donald Trump is the kind of guy who eats regular thin crust pizza with a fork. If you're eating deep dish Chicago Isn't style. Isn't there footage of him doing that or was that Mitt yeah. Romney? Um, Mitt Romney as well, I think. But, uh, but you just know it. But the point is he went to this pizza place because they knew it was a place that was already on his side. They mm-hmm. ordered a pizza from the place. He didn't buy pizza for his staff. He didn't buy pizza for the Secret Service. He, they went in, bought a pizza. He showed it to the camera. He said, they, someone in the, uh, in the you know, traveling press corps said, why do you come here? He said, they, they, because they have great pizza. Cool. Stop talking. Yep. And then he went, um, I, well, I hear they have a great pizza. We'll let them know in a half an hour. Oh, my and God. After we eat it. And then there's another angle of him at the very same location saying that to the staff as he picks the box up we'll let you know if it's any good in a half an hour which is just like essentially like threatening the staff there with a yelp review is so male karen in a lot of ways yeah it's just embarrassing but again if you're trying to do you're doing this moment where you're supposed to be you know the reg you're regular joeing it is the point. Yep. And to fail so miserably. And then yesterday he almost eats crap walking. Once he steps off the steps at his stage in New Hampshire. Oh, did he almost fall and I missed it? Yeah. And he did this kind of like do si do, like try to make light what of it. I wouldn't do to see him just eat s. Well, the the thing is, yesterday, many people who tuned in for the uh, the stream that I I do every day, where we, you know, and it, I, I was I have to admit, yesterday I was dragging. I had no energy myself just because I'd been. Well, you're doing, live every day. Yeah, and I was doing all four nights of the RNC all the way through, basically commentary oh all, the whole time. And so I was like, I'm a little tired, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, have a cup of coffee, you know, have an energy drink and just suck it up. We'll just do Mm -hmm. it. And still, I was like, we we made it. We were making little bets in the in the chat room about which Donald Trump is going to show up today. Are you going to see, you know, benzos and lewds? (laughs) <laughs> tired, worn out, bored Donald Trump, or are you going like, to see? Like the- yeah, the, the the reading. <laughs> that's right. Um, the the kind of d- the drab reader who's bored with what his own remarks, which we yeah. you had the night before, or are you going to see the the gacked up, sniffy Trump, 
that Noel Kessler can give you the whole background on the substances allegedly involved in that. And what we got was a mix, quite frankly. It was a mixed bag. It was an exhausted man hoping that whatever stimulants he was using, whether they were be whether they be illicit or caffeine, um, he was hoping they would keep him awake through the whole thing. And it turned into a gripe fest. Not surprising. It's it was a live one. He claimed that he was. You know, this was off the cuff, but he had two teleprompters up the entire time and he was referencing. Why does them. he do that? Why does he do that? Yeah. Why does he Be- kick those lies? Like he's that's how he started with yes. the pictures of his of his inauguration day. Yeah. He chooses like the worst provable lie. Well, I mean, need we cover the uh, VA choice like that in and of itself? is the most obvious recurring pathetic lie that constantly happens every single oh, that time. Oh, the choice was something done under his watch. Yeah. Obama signed it in 2014. Obama signed it, VA Choice Accountability and Access Act in 2014. If you are hearing the sound of my voice, you mm. cannot excuse yourself from knowing that anymore. Okay? If you don't believe me, you can look it up on the VA's website. And this and the idea, it bugged me for a while, but it was it was always in a gish gallop. It was always in this just torrent. Yeah, he'll never he'll never focus on it because he's not ready for a follow up question. It's always just part of a a list of things he's rambling off. That's right. And, And when he tries to do it as a single thing. He gets pushback and he had, you know, Paula Reed famously called him out because she was, I think, like me, tired of hearing it over and over again. But it was an isolated moment. He hadn't brought it up. She you know, I I don't think in that one it's hard because they all run together. But um, even if he, um, you know, kind of mumbled it or added it to it, it was just, again, a part of a, a of flooding the zone with with excrement. Uh, to paraphrase Steve Bannon. So we find ourselves at the end of the week of the RNC and the question of, will they have a bump? Will there be, did they move the needle? Did they improve their standing with their base and put a fire in the belly of their followers? Did they add anything to the game? Or did they simply not make any errors? Right. And the irony that it, the perception around Joe Biden is that um, all they need be is error free for the rest of the campaign. It's and his to lose. Right. The whole we're playing it safe. And that's, you know, and that's where the, the accusations of him being, quote unquote, in the bunker um, or, you know, when when Trump was in the bunker, again, that pointed use of that language. Um, instead of the truth, which is they were saying basement for a while, they changed it to bunker once Trump had hidden in the bunker from the protesters. That that in many ways, I I my personal feeling is, and it should come as no surprise, that I feel Donald Trump embarrassed himself, and that many of the things that they thought were making a stance about their position, that they are showing their cards far too early laying out um, unprincipled defenses of their behavior and hiding behind 
you know, the the concept of law and order and that Joe Biden wants to, quote, defund the police and turn MS-13 loose, you know, in your neighborhood, you know, fill your neighborhood with low your suburb with low income housing that they will give free room and board to MS-13 gang members to hatchet your family like the over the top. Just brutal use of that lie and that fear mongering honest to God probably would have some legs if they could save it till October because it's so provably false. If you pay attention at all, or if you listen to Biden's interviews, or if you even bother to, you know, every single time he's questioned on it, he's like, no, I think the cops need more help. They need more training. You need to get the bad cops out. They need help with that. That's why we built the cops program. And you need, social services to handle some stuff that cops shouldn't have to be sent to do. Right. That's it. You shouldn't put this on the shoulders of police. You can, right. shouldn't that's blame them. On the police. And it's like put the money in the hands of the, yeah. the people who are trained for those kinds of de-escalations with the, the mentally ill. That's right. I mean, it's it is one of the reasons why you have hostage negotiators. It's one of the reasons why you have people to deal with uh, jumpers you know, in certain situations, it's because you don't send beat cops down there to deal with that. They have enough to deal with and they don't know they don't we don't need a beat cop dealing with regular criminality the rest of the week, carrying the weight of whether or not they were untrained, able to manage a suicidal jumper for weeks upon end, you know, like for the next 10 years, if they think back at it, like this is a an obvious part. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. Um, I don't want to end this first segment by s- sending our sincere condolences to the family and friends and uh, loved ones and extended f- fan family and yeah. the and the colleagues of Chadwick Boseman who passed away from colon cancer last night at the age of forty three. Yeah. Um, after battling it for years while doing all these movies that we've come to love him for. And all those moments where some people thought he was tired of doing the Wakanda salute when fans would ask him to, or he'd cross his hands and do that. Yeah. And it, and I can only think back that he very well was tired because he was going under massive treatments to fight off stage three cancer, which proceeded to stage four cancer and took his life. Um, just a tremendous human being just and taken way too early. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's a heavy one. That was, I, I was shocked. Everyone was shocked. We're all still dealing with the reality of that. Just a beautiful human being. So we'll be back right after this. Ever thought of finding your family tree? There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, tracing your family generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with Ancestry DNA, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandma as a little girl. Whatever you find, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history and yourself. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. No other DNA tests deliver such a unique interactive experience. 
Start exploring your family story today. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash liberal to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash liberal. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So th- there will be no lack of stuff to cover over the next three months. It, it will be from now until Election Day and thereafter, we will, we will experience not just a, a gish gallop of garbage from the right, but um, floods of, uh, and mixes of unrest and, um, m- you know, militia long gun people trying to, uh, trying to answer people in the, you know, in the streets, um, you know, who are protesting, tre- you know, treating everyone who protests as the same as the looters. Then, at, you know, looking at the violence instigated by a lot of the people who are instigating that violence and recognizing that those people are not a part of the initial movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, or any of the movements that um, are that were driven by the inequities in society. Um, and then you will get Donald Trump saying stuff this like this. Your ass. I don't know if you heard this one, Johnny. You know what I say? Protest is your ass. I don't talk about my ass. I don't know why he thought that was a an applaud line yesterday. Did you hear protesters that? Protesters, your ass. Yes. So, you know, he goes. They call them protesters, and he said, "You know what I say? Protesters, your ass." I don't talk about my ass. I don't get it. I don't either. Um, this is right after he almost fell on the stage yesterday. It was a rambling diatribe of, you know, of complaints and whinging about the fake news. He went to the pointing at the cameras yesterday. He always does it. It's part of the rally thing. But he did it, I think, four times yesterday pointing at the fact that we're there to buy, basically film his entire speech without comment, which is very, you know, strange to turn on those folks. You know <laughs> I mean, because those are largely camera people. There's some embedded uh, reporters who come and they, they'll sit back there and it's who he's referencing, but they just got off the plane with him. You know, they travel with him as part of the. So what's uh, the, what's the pointing about? Oops, hold on. I uh, I think I lost um, my headphones. Give me one second. The um, the reality that we have to deal with is that Donald Trump is going to, for the foreseeable future, push an idea that um, that there massive scale, and it will. This is the crux of the reelection campaign. It is not uh, the idea of unity or bringing the country together or creating in and of itself a an an idea of the, you know, the shining city on a hill. All this. They've tried so hard during the RNC this week to infuse some level of 
uh, of that unity message, like three or four people specifically tried to reignite that idea, knowing full well that on Donald Trump's speech night, he would scuttle that very thing. He would wreck it. There's no, you know, there's no point where he's got, you know, he's going to um, maintain any kind of a message. There is two divided lanes as far as messaging goes. When, and, and that's really difficult when you're the incumbent. When you are trying to win um, from already being in office, you can't run as the outsider. You can't complain yeah. about the administration. You Except know. they do. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, all the, it's the deep state. Because that, I mean, isn't that the perfect foil? Because... You, you can complain about it before you get in office. And then once you get in office, you can complain about it the entire time you're there for any of your failings. Yeah. And you say it's this big conspiracy that keeps you getting done what you're trying to get done. When Obama just had to say, yeah, the Republicans, I keep yeah. trying to institute their ideas and they keep saying no. Right. Well, that and that is that's standard fair though when you say the other side has different ideas than we do and they're holding it up they're pushing back they are you know they're stalling bills you know that's an argument you can have that's an overt argument the covert argument that that trump always puts forward is that there is a secret society running the underpinnings of government that he is the lone warrior to fight against that he's he's there yeah. And, and that's well, that's the sales point, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the question becomes, is it going to be is it a successful sales pitch with any crossover voters, any um, Republicans on the edge? And quite frankly, does it solidify his base the way he thinks it does? Now, yesterday, watching his speech, his audience was pent up. They are. You know, because he's been out of their range for a little while and because he's been limited in his ability to address the public as far as they're concerned, other than I mean, he calls into Fox all the time. He's constantly tweeting. It's not like he has any shortage of outlets, but in their way of thinking, because he can't come out and do these rally type speeches, he's not allowed to be himself. And that's what they allegedly like. Now, what? What himself actually is, is a second generation rich kid who always kept his father's business in the red, had to borrow money from his siblings just to keep it afloat, um, is, has not built anything since the early 90s when the first projects, the last projects left over by his father were finished, essentially, and has become since then a branding organization that someone else builds a building, they slap their name on it. Um, much like when the Sheraton buys an, another hotel chain and just converts the building, switches the towels, paints the walls and calls it something else. Um, that's that's effectively what they've been. And and it was on such a fade. And his his success as a businessman was uh, so ironic as far as how it was viewed in the business world that The Apprentice took off as a show, not because of its genuine success, but because it was embarrassing. Because celebrities would go on and have this embarrassment of a man tell them to do embarrassing things, not learn people who did not need to learn anything from Donald Trump. I mean, it's an illusion. 
Um, there, I mean, there's a- actual news happened this week, too. Crazy. What? We'll talk about that when we come back. It's true. Hey, Chris, did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are actually fraudulent? Oh, my God. Fraudulent. Ugh. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming they're not protecting us. So many of them claim to have levels of filtration that they don't meet or worse, have virtually no filtration at all. No filtration, which means you're not being protected for this virus the way you should be. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face models that are tested by the U.S., by the MPPTL, and authorized by the FDA. So buying a mask model that has been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure that you and your family are getting a true respirator mask. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency and can be worn, making them a perfect choice as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. And right now, that's all you got to do. Just be a good neighbor. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fake stickers on every single package. I'm assuming that means we know that these are not fake masks. Like people are trying to knock off the KN95, not these. These are not fake. There's a sticker on the package that says so. So these respirator masks are in stock. I know you've been trying to get these things all over the place, but you can get them here. They're in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free for my listeners and by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. So right now you can get even 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer just for buying these FDA authorized masks. So you can get that discount on the sanitizer that we've been talking about on all the Sexy Liberal podcasts. And you can have that when you get these masks. So go to the newdealshop.com now and get verified. Authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's the newdealshop.com. And as I said, that's the newdealshop.com. This is Tom Harbin, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. So... It, it should come as no surprise that we also have a bunch of QAnon supporters and lunatics that have bandied around the Trump campaign and have weaseled their way up into administrative positions in some ways that form their own kind of odd deep state, as it were. You know, that these these folks seem to have a, um, a, a real propensity for... Um, you know, surrounding themselves with anti-vaxxers and uh, that kind of crowd, and which is odd, particularly in the fact that we are dealing with a massive pandemic, the likes we have not seen since 1917, um, which, of course, 1918, 1919, and even into 1920, curiously enough. Um, we, you know, this is the the essence of dealing with this disease and finding a vaccine for it specifically, which is how we have come to understand the solution to illness in our society and in our circumstance in the modern era. Yep. We look for a cure or a vaccine or both. Or in the case of AIDS, for example, the 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 availability of PrEP as a preventative, something that can be in your system that can keep you, it, while it does not cure the disease once it's in your system, while it does not, uh, you know, uh, act as a vaccine against it, if you are on it when you ex- when you are exposed, can keep you from getting the disease. This is probably the newest, most outside form of treatment that 
besides diet and exercise keeping the common cold at bay or an apple making a doctor, uh, you know, uh, avoid you, that th- these are the most outside versions of medical advancement that we've experienced. The standard is, and going back to polio, going back to, um, I guess tuberculosis wouldn't be in, in this, but measles, mumps, um, whooping cough, things that raised infant mortality, things that killed, you know, new and expectant mothers, a, a, a general idea that we have in society is that somebody's going to come up with a vaccine in the modern era. Since, since Salk and polio, we now look at that as how we end an epidemic or a disease that hits our society. The expectation is that science and the advancements around them have grown enough where we can believe, at least, that there is a vaccine possible for nearly every disease that comes up and that it is only a matter of time and science till we find that very thing. And in the case of COVID-19, that's no different. As a matter of fact, when it first came on the scene, China released the uh, genetic breakdown of the disease somewhere in early January, which was in many ways a first of its kind. Um, a first situation where we had the ability to put the entire genome of a disease online and the entire world got to work on on a vaccine or treatments because it was affecting the entire world. Mm-hmm. Italy, Germany, the UK, Russia, allegedly, although their vaccine, I think, is even more suspect than uh than the origins of the disease itself. I think there's as much uh, conspiracy theory and fear around that as there is around uh, Wuhan bio labs right now. But insofar as this, the progress of this disease and how it's affecting society and how we will end it, what we are constantly, I think, held back by is we have a president who has pushed hydroxychloroquine, who has pushed, um, you know, getting light inside the body, disinfecting the body with real disinfectant, like Lysol. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like the way a rape kit cleans you right up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it. you know, it does its job. It gets rid of the fact that it happened, I think is what, yeah. Um, And in this... It will be crucial that when there is a vaccine, that the American people who need to take it, especially those who are most susceptible, those who are most in danger, those who are most in danger of carrying it or catching it and bringing it to someone else, all of those people will need to trust this vaccine and the source from which it comes. And at this point, there is no reason to believe that Donald Trump and the FDA are reliable sources. And the irony is that the vast majority of people who will get the vaccine are Democrats. <laughs> this is the vast majority of the people who are going to, um, you know, line up, get the vaccine, take care of themselves, do the right thing for their family and society, largely Democrats. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of anti-vaxxers, and, and there's some overlap, but very little, are Republicans. 
and certainly in the QAnon field of craziness. There is, you know, it, it and and to have, I have to, you know, look up the name, but the to have um, the FDA spokeswoman be in the job for, I think, tied with um, Emily Miller, tied with Mike Flynn for being like the shortest acting member of the cabinet so far. Um, and largely because of the story around convalescent plasma. Ew, plasma. I plasma saw you do that live. That killed me. The plasma. Plasma. Ew, plasma. He has never read that word, said that word out loud. Yeah, no. And and many times, you know, even uh, Dr. Stephen Hahn, O'Hara's treachery has disgraced us. Um, Dr. Stephen Hahn will say plasma right in front of him. But Trump will continue to say plasma as uh, and I think it has to do with growing up saying plaza all the time in New York. I mean, it's it, it just may be the way he. You know, it's maybe it's that affected language that really makes, you know, people in the Bible Belt, you know, understand that he's a successful man. But Emily Miller um, was put in as the uh, spokesperson for the FDA and was fired after, I believe, 11 days, largely because of her messaging on convalescent plasma and exaggerating its efficacy. Now, she was fired by Stephen Hahn for for doing this. Stephen Hahn himself on Monday had to go on television and walk back what they said about convalescent plasma on television on Sunday night. Sunday night, they put out this thing that 35 out of 100 people will be positively affected, will be, you know, will can can be healed by convalescent plasma. 35 out of 100. He said that during his speech? Yes, he did. And he had to go on afterwards and say that and, and reverse that and, and understand that the, even the study that they were using to cite that the 35 people who found some efficacy in convalescent plasma were also on multiple other things. They were on, you know, um, remdesivir. They were on, you know, other treatments meant to quell the cytokine storm in their system. The convalescent plasma was part of an array of things, but there was no. There is no genuine study right now that says that played a part in it. We, convalescent plasma is not new in the treatment of, of disease, but it is also not a silver bullet against every infectious disease that comes out. Otherwise, we would have set up a farm for convalescent plasma in every single infectious disease circumstance heretofore. If that's how it worked... And, and it had been used in many different situations. Like there were literally there are stories of, um, of George Washington using small uh, soldiers that got small pa- uh, smallpox, um, getting their blood, giving transfusions of it to his soldiers so that they wouldn't catch smallpox. And the British saying that Washington had super soldiers because they couldn't get sick from the smallpox that the British were attempting to use to kill American soldiers. So this is not the idea that they launched it even on Sunday is an embarrassment. The idea that they somehow created 
this treatment or possibility is absurd. But also insisting that it is it is better than 50 percent against a placebo, which they have no tests to show that is. That's why you need these tests. But even still, if you're saying it's 35 percent in this test we ran, meaning and taking from that 35 people who receive it out of 100 will survive when they would not have otherwise, which is also an absurdity. Mm-hmm. And then re- and refusing to recognize that all the people in the 35 group that actually survived were on were getting a multitude of other treatments at the same time, meaning that any single one of those treatments would not pass an efficacy test in science by themselves because you could not separate the positive effects from the other four or five things the person was on. It is that simple. Now, there is every reason to study each one of these to see which one has the higher efficacy, which one, if any, by themselves provides that 35% efficacy, if at all, and then combining it with another one that has 35% efficacy, hoping that that combines into a 70% efficacy. It's, there's no reason to think that it would without testing, but that's what you shoot for. Most efficacious treatments overlapping, leading you to 100% uh, drop in mortality. That's, that's the goal. But the fact that Stephen Hahn came out on Sunday night before the RNC at the direction of the president and told everyone that 35 out of 100 people who get convalescent plasma as part of their treatment will survive when they would not have otherwise, and said that at the direction of the president. And then Monday, the first day of the RNC, when they, knowing full well, by the way, that that would run on stations that Trump supporters do not watch. They, they did it on ABC morning shows. They did it on, you know, the Today Show. I don't know that he went on Fox. I did not see a clip of that happening, but if they did, they didn't pick, they didn't go on Sean Hannity when the Trump, when Trump's (laughs) followers watched the most, they watched one of the other untrustworthy members of the Fox family, according to the, you know, the Q crowd. He went on there and walked it back while Donald Trump and all of his supporters threaded the introduction of convalescent plasma as a miracle cure, yet another in a long line of miracle cures into the aren't we wonderful patting themselves on the back. I don't think we get enough credit theme of the RNC. It's it's and again, did it change any minds? Did anybody watch the RNC and come away with I you know, I was on the fence, but I'm leaning their way now. And if so, I mean, I'd love to hear from you. 773-763-9278. I don't doubt that anybody who calls in will already have been a Trump supporter and is just pretending. That's always the hard part, um, because if that's your leader and that's his trustworthiness, why, why would I think that you're OK with that? Like, or, you know, why wouldn't I think you are OK with that in your own speech, in your own pre- presentation of of your political opinion? Why wouldn't I suspect the same gish gallop from you. We got to take a break. We'll be back. Sorry, I didn't get to callers. I will get them in the next break. I promise. 773-763-9278. Now let's get back with HealthSparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Let's indeed. Um, so uh, who do we have on the line, Devin? Let's take some calls. First, we got EO from the chat room. 
Oh, right on. Hey, E.O. Hey, welcome. happy birthday, Devin. Sorry. I, have, yeah, happy <laughs> I didn't know it was your birthday. Yeah, thanks. And hey, E.O., welcome. I hear you. Yeah, well, anyway, first off, um, if you want to know something funny, somebody in the chat room, as soon as I brought up Richard Hunter's nickname, they told me to watch my mouth. So that's basically well, that's true. That yeah, I mean, that's was... room... Yes. Yeah, big big Richard Hunter is the... Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to phrase it in a way that won't get me in trouble on the radio. But his his uh, radio name uh, on, in te- in Texas for years was um, a variation on the the concept of Big Richard Hunter, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you change Richard to its uh, Nixonian nickname, but uh, so people can work that out for themselves. Um, but go ahead. But anyway, yeah, I bring him up because he would have been perfect for the conversation that or the topic that I wanted to bring up, which was the fact that Dana White was in the Republican National Convention. So for those that don't know, Dana White is the, I don't know if he's president of the of the ultimate fighting championship. I know they've gone through yeah. multiple ownerships in the past. But right. the thing is, but the reason why I was a USC fan, and I'm officially not anymore, it's because I got tooled for professional wrestling, so I wanted to follow a, a sport that obviously was a legit violent, sport, but right? As it were. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And the thing is, the thing is, you know, I've done my share of going to right wing businesses before. You know, I went to Waffle House, mm-hmm. I went to Wendy's, and the, mm-hmm. but what kind of kicks me off is that. You know, do you not know how to leave your political opinions at home when you're running a business? Because that turns off customers. That's the reason why mm-hmm. I, as an entrepreneur, don't ever bring up politics when I'm talking with people. Right. Like, do people not know well, how to? There is, do a, that? there is a distinction. I, I, I agree. I mean, I think people can know what your values are, and. Um, but not necessarily what your politics are. And I think that's the key most of the time when it comes to business is that it's, you know, you can have your, you can, this goes to that whole thing about Goodyear and Trump's problem with Goodyear was that he viewed it as a, as an attack because they weren't allowed to wear campaign gear on the, on site, which is, by the way, a registered trademark of the Trump campaign. It's a specific message that's you know endorses a specific client uh, you know candidate. Um, there are rules about that in the workplace. The same thing also applies in many ways to the, uh, Blue Lives Matter um, as a T-shirt, which they also supposedly are hats, which they also said you cannot wear on site because the Blue Lives Matter is an answer to Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter being an idea that you want to promote as a value point. And Blue Lives Matter is a is a rebuttal to that, is seen as a rebuttal to that. Or even All Lives Matter is a diminution of that phrase, Black Lives Matter. It's an answer to it. It is a conflict with the idea. As opposed to, if you wanted to show up in a shirt that said, you know, uh, you know, Police Benevolent Association or support your local first responders, they were they would be allowed to do that in the same categories. You would be able to wear a, a pro LGBT shirt or a, a, a pro BLM shirt. The, the question is, do you, are you starting a conflict at work? Are you starting a conflict from your with the people you work across from? That even goes further. And that's, those are factories. It even goes further when you're dealing with with customers, for example, 
Um, well, in my and case, in part of my case, as somebody is self-employed, I used to be an Uber driver, and very, very rarely sure. people ever bring up politics. Whenever I pick up people, but whenever they bring it up, I usually tell them, "Hey, I prefer not to talk about this because because I don't want to create any conflict in my own workplace." Sure. Yeah, and, and that's and that is a hundred percent your prerogative in that situation. The, you know, the yeah. and, and it's it's a crucial part of our of our conversation with our fellow human beings. No person. And, and this kind of goes to that group of uh, alleged uh, BLM supporters who was screaming at the woman outside the restaurant and trying to get her to lift her fist and and say uh, whatever slogan they were trying to get her to repeat that that she she was somebody who had marched in a Black Lives Matter march. She was somebody who already believed these things, but this crowd was trying to insist upon her the, a specific behavior at that moment. And the demand on that behavior was the problem with it. Because once something becomes compulsory, it loses a lot of its value. If, an, if a crowd is forcing you to say Black Lives Matter, that does not mean you believe that Black Lives Matter. And, and nor does it mean that the crowd that is insisting on these things is made up wholly of people who believe that black lives matter. Well, it may be that a significant. Uh, yeah, because let me finish this one thought. It is a significant. It could be very well that a significant portion of that crowd does not actually believe it and is either following the crowd and afraid to say otherwise. So they're hiding and subverting their real beliefs under a veneer which is not helpful to the actual cause, does not promote understanding, does not mean that people actually care about the issues that Black Lives Matter is working on. Um, it, it creates a, a it, it manufactures that fraudulent veneer as as okay, as a process. So, well, yeah. So one more thing before I yield the remainder of my time. So obviously what you're talking sure. about, you know, as much as I support Black Lives Matter, I would much rather get punched in the face for not marching than actually, and actually marching and dying from a pandemic. That's the reason why I don't ever go out and march with protesters, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. COVID-19 is an right. airborne virus. And even if I wanted a mask, there's still a chance I could probably die from it. So I am not going to right. march because I don't want to get sick. And with that, I yield the remainder yeah. of my time, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, you know, and that's that's an integral part of this as well, is that you had a bunch of people in a situation where yelling and screaming um, would expel the exact kind of particles we are concerned will carry the disease at someone who is already sitting outside in a restaurant area with a mask because of uh, the concerns and protocols we have put in place to limit the spread of this disease and that yelling and screaming is on par, quite frankly, with the gathering that the president had for his speech at the at the White House. No masks in sight. Everyone yelling and screaming and clapping in support of him. Um, there is no, frankly, in in the concern for life and death in the, in the world as it stands, especially considering the fact that black and brown people have been on the receiving end of, of more death from COVID-19 than other groups, you would think that those protesters and those groups would take extra steps to make sure 
that they are not spreading it to the very community that they are uh, they're making a point to protect and serve in that regard. That's that I find is one of the most curious parts of it. We have a few minutes left in this hour, so I want to see if we can get another call in before the end of the hour. Who do we have, Devin? Next, we got Robert out in Florida. Cool. Hey, Robert. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm good. Last caller. Help me understand something, that last caller. You drive a cab, but you're afraid of strangers? You're afraid, of, you're afraid to be around other people? Did I hear that right? You drive a cab? No, I think it's just expressing his political views in that situation because it's, you know, on, on a, it's kind of like I I, writing a tweet. You know, there's not enough time to explain the entirety of it. It's just like a, this ride is only 140 characters long. You could totally misconstrue my point of view. But, uh, but yeah. Right. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> um, I actually got a lot. Could you carry me over to the other side? I, I actually, I want to compliment you on that Saturday. I thought your uh, your Saturday was uh, with the, the Sesame Street. That place, you know, with the puppets, you know, uh, that, that was. Oh, genius. in the sexy liberal show? Say, yeah. Let me say, if those puppets were around when I was watching Sesame Street, I'd probably learn English a lot faster. Let me just say that to you. You know, it was really, it was, it was really enjoyable. It was really good. And if you have a seen it, thank you. I do. Have, uh, I, I do. My, my characters do have quite the vocabulary, um, <laughs> you know, for five year olds, you know, as grown up as it is. <laughs> Um, I actually want to talk about uh, the, whatchamacallit, his his final speech of the convention using the White House as a prop and all that stuff like that. And um, I'll get into it a little bit if you want to, if you got time. Yeah, just a little bit. We will carry you over into the break. Yeah, I think Um, think we're about to get a break. Yeah, so let's Uh, hold on. That's what we'll talk about. the, The final night speech, whether it converted anybody, whether it actually convinced anybody, um, is you know is what they count on this speech for quite frankly this yeah. is the beginning of the final sales pitch pitch going into the, the election season and we'll, we'll talk about that um, when we come back with uh, Robert from Florida it's the Health Parks Radio program mega worldwide on WCPT Radio Chicago's Progressive Talk we're here every Saturday 9 to 11 Pacific time 11 to 1 Central time if you're in the Chicagoland area of course and uh, Dick Pay follows our show as well. So you, if you can listen to that or you can follow right and get your dose of local politics as well. But we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay. Um, our, our happy endings, we have one last caller and then we'll we'll end on another uh, statistic that I think is meaningful in this whole back and forth about whether or not the poles are tightening or widening. Um, psst, they're widening. But um, uh, who do we have, Devin? Paul from Seattle. Excellent. <laughs> hey, Paul, welcome. Good to hear from you. Doing good? Hey, thanks, Al. Um, I'll try to go quick here. So, you know, let's yeah. just be clear about Trump supporters like our, our friend Peter, he's just a miserable, unhappy person. And he wants to, the way he supports Trump is to tear, tear it all down, burn it all down so everybody can be as miserable and unhappy as he is. Because there is nothing that Donald Trump has done except make the country miserable and unhappy. And for miserable right. and happy people, that's a good thing. But so just to focus on one thing, and this is, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my strategy with Biden never done. Okay, I get right. this from people I debate, like like Lars Larson always asks, 
So here's what I do. I always say, oh, okay, so I don't sound like a fool, and I miss it. Give me a give me a comparison, a benchmark, like compared to what other great Republican senator? Right. So give me give me a benchmark, and they can't even name one. They can't even name a, a great Republican senator. So yeah, no. I'll take the forty-seven years. If you want to compare apples and apples, I'll take the forty-seven years that Joe Biden has been in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, and the hundreds and hundreds of bills that he has sponsored. Over the right. four, last 47 years of Donald Trump's life. And yes, I'll stack up those because these senators don't sign bills. They have to go to committees. They have to go past the House. And so naturally, yeah. when you say, what has he ever done? You can't you can't compare it to a president having signed a bill that went through that entire process. And the president gets all the credit. But uh, right. Donald Trump has signed the precious few pieces of legislation. As far as I'm concerned, he's signed a tax cut for the rich, which, by the way, Peter, your art end of that tax cut, if you get any of that, runs out in 122 days. That's when your part of it runs out, Peter. I hope you saved your money. The corporations didn't save their money. That's why we had to bail them out with the biggest economic crash in the history of not the country, of the world, the biggest economic crash, uh, even when it was reduced to 31.7% this week of our GDP. That's the biggest crash. I mean, I mean, Trump was dollars. Trump was against Trump was against the auto bailout. If you want to talk about being on the other sides sure. of bad issues and saying that Biden would do this. And my favorite thing of the of the RNC was uh, by Joseph R. Biden has never signed the front of a check, meaning that he's never hired somebody or put somebody to work. First of all, campaigns are like little businesses all the time. There's tons of people who are hired and fired. You go through this whole thing. The management of it's like a little business that only lives a certain amount of time and then goes away. It's a pain in the ass. But it's it, in and of itself. You do a lot of that. Secondly, cops don't uh, create jobs. Neither do firemen, neither do priests. There, you know, there are people who are public servants, soldier generals. There's no generals in, you know, in the, uh, you know, four-star generals that have signed the front of a check for their soldiers in that regard. It's, it's not how public service works. That's the absurdity of it. Um, whereas Donald Trump has never signed a check, um, for anyone but someone in his own family and he stiffed plenty of people for on the receiving well, end not only that, they, i mean it, yeah not only yeah. that i would suggest i would suggest how that uh whether you signed the front of the check or not if you uh, went into bankruptcy five times that's not really create that's not real money there that you're signing you're signing bank you're yeah. signing away bankrupted money so don't tell me that's he, right he doesn't know what the sign of it he's he's always signed a, a deficit check and by the way considering deficits He's created the largest deficit and the greatest amount of debt. Almost ten trillion freaking dollars has he added to the national debt. Almost ten trillion dollars in three and a half yeah. years. Tell me, Peter, what a great economy this is. Oh, give me a break. a trillion dollars. Uh, yeah, the deficit is no double what it was under Obama. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah, with all the with all the bailouts. But I thought we just gave him. He gave him. Uh, he signed these eighteen uh, percent uh, tax cuts for the corporations, and then had to bail them out with more. Well, I mean, tell me that's a is, isn't that socialism? I mean, come on, that's worse than socialism. That's just giving it away. So don't tell me right. about you. And then they're talking about oh, I, we have to make America great again, again. As I think is what Mike right. Pence said, because in the in the it didn't last very long. We built it up, and then nothing flat. It fell to pieces for his mismanagement. So I don't really think if, if, if Peter wants to live in a miserable America, 
put out your own little corner and put your nose in it, Peter, because that's where you belong. <laughs> <laughs> well said, uh, sir. I appreciate you calling in. It's always good to hear from you. Um, I'm sorry that your uh, city burned and no longer exists. Um, you know, I know that you're living just in, uh, you know, cooking marshmallows on rubble these days. I, I don't know that. Right. Yeah. Seattle no longer exists. It was a great American city while it lasted. But we know from Donald Trump that it is completely gone. Um, by the way, um, the one of one of the bills that uh, Joseph R. Biden Jr. supported was the Protect Our Children Act of 2008. Um, the um, William Wilberforce Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act of 2008, the Criminal History Background Checks Pilot Extension Act of 2008, which expunges people for low, uh, which basically fixes parts of the crime bill that it, that they found existed over time so that those people who were thrown in jail because of the crime bill but didn't deserve it, yeah, those people got helped. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's big point of pride is, is he helping release a bunch of people who uh, were busted with a, a small amount of pot and tra- treated as dealers because it was personal use? No, he released Alice Johnson, who was a multi-million dollar coke dealer who worked with Colombian drug lords. Tell me again about MS-13, because they worked for her. He, he pardoned someone who had enforcers w- uh, that were aligned with MS-13 working for her, many of whom are still in jail from the Obama years. Have fun. All right, we'll see you guys later. Thanks so much, Johnny Million. You're awesome. Love you. Thank you for all our oh, callers yeah. today. Yeah, including, including Peter. Uh, he'll he'll see the light one day. He's just, you know, it's a rough time to be him. He's um, tired. But whether you vote for my way or the highway, it doesn't matter. Vote.org. Make sure you're ready to vote, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, which you're, you're voting against Biden or for Trump. It does not matter. I want you to vote. I believe in participation. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.